Hello and welcome to Clamp, the creating, living and making podcast. I'm your host, Adam Mackey. And as always, I'm joined by Molly Kurt. Hello. And there's no Grant this week. Actually, he is camping with his wife and kid and dog. So we got a pretty decent replacement this week. Keith, decent. (laughs) Hey, Hey, mate, how's it going? Uh, Why don't you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Oh, uh, I'm Keith Decent. I build stuff. I'm an artist and uh, I make wacky crap uh, out of garbage, mostly, I guess. (laughs) So it's kind of hard to describe what I do sometimes. And some really nice stuff not out of garbage. I feel like you you have the full range. I have. Yeah, it's easier to work with not garbage, but it's a lot more expensive. (laughs) Very much. I relate to that heavily. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, um, what you been? Um, what you been working on this week? Okay, yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, that's okay. I was. I wanted to make sure it was my turn. <laughs> I said. Oh I yeah, said, sorry. I'm, I'm, we we like to throw a guest under the bus every time we oh, have yeah, a guest. We fine. throw them under the bus and just ask them straight up what they're doing. Yeah, I literally just got done telling you guys I'm goofy from spray paint fumes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, I, I'm building a uh, a roll down tiki bar, which. Uh, there's a gazebo Ooh. in my yard, kind of next to my pool. It's not really. It's, I guess there used to be a uh, there used to be a um, a hot tub in there, and then they took that out and, and filled it in with deck. So it's like just a structure built around it for no reason. Hmm. And hmm. Uh, I was like, I really kind of want a little bar out there. Well, I don't want to have something I have to like move around all the time or like try to take care of or install. I didn't want a permanent thing. And I was like, well, there's a seven by eight foot space in this gazebo that faces the pool, and. I wonder if I could just make something like I've, I've done tambour doors and stuff in the past. I was like, I wonder if I could just make a roll down uh, tiki bar facade that just can drop down and roll back up when it's not in use. And then uh, I'll build a, uh, like a little C shaped table that can slide in as the actual bar into, into the window hole. <laughs> and so there's going to be, so there's a, a window hole and a man door in the, in the thing as it rolls down and it's cedar strips glued to muslin. Uh, and it's going to roll up like a, uh, like bamboo blinds. Nice. Ho- hopefully yeah. I'm hoping it's going to roll up like bamboo blinds. It very <laughs> well could not do this. So when you posted that, this out. when you posted that story, my first thought was, uh, like a van interior. Cause it vaguely had the shape mm-hmm. of like yeah, it has a van or, or a van cladding. And then when you put, po- when you send me back those two pictures, like Tiki bar plus blinds, I was thinking, I was like, who else would make that? connection because i feel like i feel like that's your specialty is taking two very like unexpected uh things and and turning them into a very interesting project i do a lot of mashups that's for sure and i've got some (laughs) other some other some other small stuff i'm working on in the background i'm doing a collaboration with tim sway that's uh it's not as secret anymore but i uh we're doing a, a a guitar and a carpet put together so it's gonna be a carpeted guitar uh, a playable, full playable thing. Um, oh. And on the side of that, I'm also trying to invent a new kind of chair. So, you know, there's <laughs> just a few things going on. The chair nice. collapsed on me yesterday, so that might take a little longer than mm. a week. Molly has um, experience with that. Oh, yeah. I know that cardboard chair is so cool. Yeah. It hasn't collapsed yet, though. It's very sturdy. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks like it but, is. This, this was made out of conduit that I tack welded together. And it was like, I just, when I sat on it, uh, it's it's a um, it's going to have an inner tube as the seat cushion, so it's going to be kind of like a Papa San chair, 
but it's just going to be a freestanding metal base with straps on it. And then you take the inner tube from the pool, put it on top of that, strap it in, and it's a chair as well. So it likes safe uh. space and kind of because uh, outdoor cushions are expensive, like needlessly expensive. Yeah. And these, these things are only like $9 at a job loss, these tubes. So I figured it's my neighbor. Uh, I figured that uh, I was like, well, that's cheaper. And like, I was watching all my kids sit on them at the poolside and I was like, okay, this, this could be something. Oh yeah. That was the best. I told like, I forgot about that from my childhood is like, you'd be, you'd be like in the pool in an inner tube and then you take it out, stack two on top of one another. And then you have like the most comfortable, easy chair. Yeah. Put some water in it and it heats up and then you have like a little hot tub as well. That's a, that's a great idea. <laughs> Do you mean like, it's well, like a donut shaped, right? Yeah. Yeah. The donut shaped yep. inner tube. So you have to, like, you have to call it the hemorrhoid chair. The hemorrhoid chair. <laughs> <laughs> I might do that but i (laughs) (laughs) but that's that's the three things i'm currently that's what i was doing all day today was those three objects nice sounds like a good varied day yeah yeah (laughs) yeah from spray painting to welding to the rug making back and forth all day nice well last weekend i was continuing work on the plywood fountain that I mentioned last week. Um, and it's, it's kind of in like the applying layers of epoxy and finish stage. So there's not much like exciting forward movement. Uh, so being like pretty busy with work during the week, I just kind of wanted to like get something done and make a video this weekend. So I decided to do my second fusion tutorial and made a video about like my whole process on making 3d printed leather stamps um, which was, which was fun and not super hard. Um, it's, it's cool when you like, when you've done a process a lot of times and then you actually talk about it and you realize you have a lot to say about it. Um, and like every time I make the reason I kind of wanted to make it is because every time I do one of those projects, people ask me like a million questions about all the different particularities. So I was like, Oh, well clearly there's a demand for this information. Um, and I think that hypothesis was correct because a lot of people are, are watching it, which is always fun. Um, so that was a fun little thing last weekend. Um, but I really want to like test out this fountain. Like that's what I'm really excited to do. Um, as far as I can tell, I think it should work. Like I sealed all the parts that are going to be like submerged in water with epoxy. It's really interesting. I didn't really anticipate this, but I never used epoxy as like a finish before. I'd only really like cast it, I guess. Yeah, only really had cast it before. But like I was brushing it in thick layers over edge grain of plywood. And it actually does soak in a fair bit. Um, So it feels still kind of rough, which doesn't really matter because it'll be water running over it. There's no hand feel that I'm worried about. Um, so I'm hoping like it's sufficiently waterproof because it does still feel kind of wood-like, but it's, it's really coated in epoxy. So I hope it, um, hope it works. Okay. We'll see <laughs> once, uh, once I test it out after I seal the gaps with silicone. Yeah. I hope um, that works out for you. That's a, I, that's a cool idea. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I hope it is. It's, it's one of those things when you're like, not a lot of people do this. I wonder if it's for a good reason. That's, uh, that's like, that's like everything I do. I try yeah. to do something that no one does. And then I'm like, well, you know, Oh, this is why no one does it. Yeah. So you find that out a lot when you're, when you're pushing that envelope constantly, it's like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the, 
other major thing I'm running against is like my plan at first was to make it wall mounted. And then because the lumber supply was out of half inch plywood, I ended up building out of three quarter inch plywood. And the design is a lot heavier than I anticipated. So like probably won't hang it from the wall. So it has yet to have a home, but the focus first is to get it done and see it running. I'm uh, I'm planning on having some friends over this weekend. So I really want to get it done to like show off, um, but probably won't get it quite there. But yeah, maybe, maybe it'll be a little drinking fountain for Penny. And then I can have everyone on the internet tell me that I'm poisoning my cat with chemicals <laughs> as tends to happen <laughs> in those, those videos. seems like you, you like to make a lot of things for Penny, a chair shape, cat scratcher, yeah. water fountain, drink bottle. Drink- well, you know why it is? I like, I always, as a kid, like fantasized about being like a miniature person, like six inches tall and being able to like explore like my mom's garden, like you know, like I was the size of a cat and I always thought like cats have the coolest lives because they're able to do all those things. So I think part of me like, is like, if I was this small, these are the little structures I would want. It's like the same kind of fascination with miniatures. Um, so I'm, I'm living vicariously through Penny. As I say to Eden all the time, she's my inspiration. (laughs) And you shop for them. Exactly. Um, Adam, well, what about you? What have you been up to this week? Well, I finally got my deck finished. Um, really happy with how it turned out. So it's um, well, it ended up being eight meters long, and the last two and a half meters of it is um, a step down of about half the the height. Um, and then what kind of what kind of wood did you build it out of? It's all pine. Yeah, um, pine framing, pine decking for the top. And then we're going to leave it for about a month, give it a sand, and then probably stain it. I don't know if we're going to change the color. Like we might stain it walnut or something, give it a different look. Um, or we'll just clear it. But yeah. But the exciting news, I finally have my CNC. Bam, bam, bam. So, so damn happy. I um, I got it set up and I was playing around with it for like the first couple of days. And I'm like, it just doesn't seem like... It's like well, the first time I got a 3D printer off a of mate and it just would not be right. It just would not cut right, would not print right. And I'm just like, something's going on here. And I was really confused. And I'm thinking like, this is going to be one of, like, I, I spent so much money on this machine. I can't just be like, oh, okay, well, it's not like, I can't get frustrated and just give up. And then I found out about tramming a CNC, um, which essentially for those that don't know is when you put the router in, it's not necessarily completely level. So what you need to do is that the um, the X axis, which is like the, the gantry on top of the two long rails, you need to loosen those bolts and sort of turn it so that that's level in a way um, from front to back, tighten those bolts up and then loosen the actual capture for the router and make that level as well. So I did all mm. that and now it's cutting amazingly. Um, I cut out some, all I've cut so far is out of cutting boards, plastic cutting boards. I cut, cut out a dust boot and some hold downs. Um, and currently right now is the longest cut I've done cutting while we record. Um, it's about, three Oh, it's hours going, it's long. going right now. Yeah, it's going right now. Um, so yeah, it's about a three hour cut. A... Uh, my wife's down there. I said, if you hear any oh, weird no. noises, just go check on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I got to get a webcam for it so I can like check on it when I'm not in the shop. Um, I, but I can I'm, see my, so I can see see mine from my bathroom window, so it works. Yeah, 
Well, as is like completely enclosed in the garage, mm. but I haven't put the dust boot on yet because I haven't finished actually like putting the brush on it and all that sort of stuff. So there's just MDF dust going everywhere right now. Um, but I'm cutting nice. out. So the I made a um, uh, torsion box for it to sit on, and then for half of that, the torsion part inside is actually removed, and it's going to have a drawer that pulls it out. So currently, right now, the bottom of the drawer is getting cut out to hold all like the bits and, and all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Nice. So, it's been pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. That's your first CNC. Yeah. First CNC. Yeah, um, man, it's, a, it's a big upgrade. Yeah. Well, and I didn't, I upgraded it as well. It's um so that like, I think a normal size, I don't know how big an X carve is like a meter by a meter, but this is a meter by a meter and a half. Hmm. And this thing is huge. Like I did not anticipate how big it would be. And then I actually built it and I like had to extend the table that I made for it and stuff. And I'm just, yeah, it's crazy. That's sick. I, it's, I had a similar, it's cool when you like get a piece of equipment like that and you, you never expect those things like tramming, I think until you dive into that particular craft. And I had a similar experience with my 3d printer cause I put it together from a kit and it's really interesting, like how all the ways you can make it more accurate. Um, yeah. luckily I didn't have to like really troubleshoot much of it because the documentation and the printer itself was so good that it was kind of just like doing all the checks. But I find all those different ways that like you make something like that more accurate is like very fascinating. That's why I really like this old Tony's videos, even though I don't do any machining. Cause like all those different ways of making something square and like, how do you ensure it square just through analog mediums is so interesting. Yeah. I, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. About like, about like the actual machine itself. So I got the machine. I'm, I'm going to be putting out a video soon um, of like the non-boxing and, and first sorts and stuff, but it literally took me 31 minutes to put the entire machine together. Whoa. Yeah. Which I think is amazing considering I've seen videos of people saying, and I've seen people say it takes like 10 hours to put an X-Carve together. Yeah, I've seen, pictures of them. I've seen pictures of them in the corner of someone's shop and they're like, yeah, I got it halfway done. And a couple of yeah. days later, I just stopped. Yeah, that's what I love about the company I got it from. Um, I'm not affiliated with them at all, but they do ship internationally and stuff. Um, we'll have a link to those in the show note show notes. But um, they build every machine before it's shipped out. They build it, they test it with like their own software and stuff, make sure everything works. And then they pretty much just take off the X gantry um, and pull like the bottom framing apart and then ship it out to you. So all the wire rails and everything are all put together, belts and everything are already run. And it, oh, nice. it was like, it was like literally like 20 bolts and the thing was together. Yeah. My CNC is not one of those kinds of, my, my CNC is a weird one and it was, it took a lot of tinkering to get it right. And it's, it takes yeah. constant tinkering to keep it right, but it's a full you, but- sheet CNC. So it's, you know, it, it's, it works for me, but it's uh it's a, the maker made M2, which I don't know if anybody knows what that one is. That's essentially a router that hangs on the wall off of two bike chains wrapped around a couple of solenoids with uh, sprockets on them. I've, uh, see, I've a, seen that. Yeah. With a controller uh, in the back and yeah. like it just, it just gears up and runs the thing across a board at like a 10 degree angle off the wall, give or take. Yeah. Uh, and it's incredible that it works at all. Uh, when, <laughs> yeah. when it does work, it's when it does work, it's great. It's just, you know, one of those things that like something always is like, you have to be there watching it. Like the one yeah. time I went up, I went back in the house to grab something like uh, from my room and go back out. Like I looked out the the bathroom window 
because I can see into my shop from the that window, and I just see the the router swinging across the room from one oh, chain boy. instead of the second oh, chain because one of the chains came off and it's just like wrapping itself around the corner and like hitting my tool wall and like bouncing, <laughs> bouncing off my chisels and it's on too. So it's like, yeah. It's like final give destination. Me, yeah. Give me like a mini heart attack. And I have to go down there and I have to like catch this thing. Oh my it's, God. It's, 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 it was bouncing around the outlet that it was plugged into. So you couldn't just go down and yank the plug. <laughs> Whoa. Jeez. Yeah. That was fun. And then I use it to make make uh, twenty uh, record bins. So no, no. Adam, Adam's going to go run out and check on his CNC when there's a lull <laughs> in the conversation. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, the CNC that was a big upgrade for the business. Like that was that that put me being able to upgrade the shop this year and then put put a, put a, a you know automated thing in there was something that really stepped up what yeah. I was able to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, so my whole point of getting the CNC was to start. A, start a business in a sense my first thought so like i have ideas i want to cut out these cutting boards and and engrave real estate names in them and stuff and sell them to real estates to give us people when they buy houses and that and then i was telling my wife and i'm like you know what i'm not going to ask i'm just getting one you can just deal with it and then she got excited she's like oh we can cut all this stuff and i want to start a business doing this so now we're starting a business together which is actually pretty fun i mean i got myself in trouble at first because i completely forgot about that conversation and started making business cards with my business name and stuff on them <laughs> and then she's like I, I literally was about to click order and she's like what are you doing and then like yeah i got in a bit of hot water there she's like what? you know we said we're going to do this together and um anyone who like follows me on instagram may have noticed that i've been tag- tagging a company called the makiko when i do stuff so that's going to be like our joint um company and then i'll probably just share like stuff on my instagram that we're cutting out and stuff which is pretty cool i like the name yeah. the makiko thank you it rolls it rolls off yeah yo she wants to do like acrylic cake toppers and stuff so we'll probably like do us and then like i would still do like my cutting boards sort of side business but we'll just use that company's name saves us having to register two companies and stuff yeah mm-hmm. which is cool but yeah um so in saying that, I ha- I never really realized how overwhelming starting a business can be. Like the things that you don't think of, uh, like, take away from like the business, like the name and, and registering and, and taxes and all that sort of stuff. But just like the little things like, um, so I was, one of the things I was thinking of is like, do you think that you can be too professional? i.e. like photos and stuff. Like if someone goes to your website and sees these photos that are so professionally done, do you think they're going to turn and go, this doesn't look like a like family run business sort of thing? Uh, I think it's possible. I think um, it depends on what you want your clientele to be really. Uh, Cause yeah, you can definitely run the risk of someone being like, it, it almost looks fake if it looks too good, you know? Like, yeah, that's, that's I what believe, I was thinking. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't believe there's only one person behind this or two people or whatever. It doesn't and you don't want to be mistaken for a stock photo. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly my point, yeah. yeah. that's yeah, yeah, I don't know if they're really making these things or if they just took other people's stock photos and uploaded them, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could definitely happen. Yeah. I can see that. The, I think the, the hardest thing is like, we're not just trying to start a business of like selling cutting boards. We're trying to sell, start a business of like personalized items, which I think is a lot different in a sense of like making a website and stuff of like, how do you perceive that to the, to the customer that this is personalized stuff and not just like, Hey, buy this thing that I have in stock. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's tough because like you have you have to have it on your website as stock and then people are going to see it and be like, I don't want a cutting board with the name Johnny and Sarah on it. Like, that's not my name. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when are you going to put one up with my name on it? You know, it's like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I was, uh, and then, uh, yeah, I was talking to a mate at work and he was saying it'd be really cool. I'm sure there's a way you could do it, but it'd be really cool if you could have like your website where they can key in what they want and it will actually show them like on a cutting board what it would look mm-hmm. like. You could definitely do that. It's just, yeah pain in the butt <laughs> yeah but yeah um yeah i don't know I, I, it's it's very a lot of things i haven't haven't really thought about which is a bit crazy um in saying that talking about like websites and stuff how important do you think like a website is these days uh, it's I, uh I was going to say these days, I think it's less important than, than you think. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think for the last 15 years, it's been a lot less important than it used to be. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's coming back around where mm. as all the social media sites are so scattered and now they're all trying to connect back to your website, you know, like, mm. with, and then you have your, your shopping and all that kind of stuff. I think Instagram and Facebook are, they're working their way towards having themselves be the Shopify or the, uh, yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know, or the, or the equity or whatever it is. Um, they're, they're now, they link to stores now and now they're like, oh, now you can pay through Facebook. And like the next step is like, use our services instead of your websites, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, Although um, like that being said, I mean, we've already seen it happen a bit with Facebook where they just inundate their platform with so many features that it becomes like near unusable. Um, and I think maybe that's part of the reason of like the resurgence of the websites. And I think it also just really depends on your business. Like, I think it's so for example, like the, the camp that I work at, so they end up just getting a lot of their traffic from, from like Google searches. Um, and they put a lot of work into their social media and I think it pays off, but like the benefit isn't as directly tangible. Um, it, it, it feels more like brand building and, and posting Instagram stories and building that kind of story around, uh, your clientele. And especially in a camp, it's like so important, especially in a young camp to kind of build that identity. But when they're talking about like business and and new people signing up, like a lot of it seems to come from people like who are finding the website. And so I think, yeah, so much of the time, I think it it is specific to the business. And maybe another reason too, like of going away from maybe the resurgence of the website is just like you go on Instagram now and like you see like so many ads for things. And so, yeah, I guess all you could you could be a business and post your own ads, but then also like maybe people are less likely to go and purchase something through Instagram because they see all of these ads. It's like constantly chasing a moving target. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that actually, um, that actually leads into another point I had is in today's like day and age, how important is social media? And I guess like from that is saying that it is pretty important to be having social media now, especially with the shopping side of it. But um, what about like trying to build an audience and stuff? Do you think like that's important for a business or do you think in like the kind of businesses that we do, it's more of a like people will be like, Oh, I need this thing. I want to try and look for it. Yeah. I think it's incredibly important in a, uh, in a creative business to have social media presence because that's kind of like your portfolio and your communication tool with the world. Uh, you can get people to go to your website and, and 
God knows I have people send me messages through my website and I forget to check them all the time. And six months later, I'm like, oh, somebody wanted it. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, I communicate with everybody through Instagram. My entire portfolio of what I'm working on is there. It's where I get most of my business from. But then again, like the, the lumber yard that I got all my stuff from has literally zero social media presence. And they're doing yeah. just fine because they don't have to be like, we have wood. Like they're just, they're the lumber yard, you know? They're, in, they're, they're there. They're in the phone book. They're on Google. Like they have a website. You, the website's terrible, but you can just call them, you know? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I think the difference with that is like that's something that people need though. Like you you need to go to the lumber yard to get lumber, whereas they're not trying to sell you their product. Yeah. I just, I just, I think I don't need to connect with every brand and every company in a personal yeah. way. Like they all want me to like, like ease up Doritos. Like I don't want to have a conversation with you. <laughs> exactly like, my point. Yeah. Yeah. But like one of you guys, like I would have a conversation with you about something that you're working on. If I wanted to purchase something through you, like it would be a lot more of a personalized experience. And, and a lot of people are looking for that, but I don't need Applebee's trying to slide into my DMS and uh, <laughs> yeah. say what's up. But Wendy's on the other hand, Wendy's can slide in my DMS anytime. Yeah. Wendy's, Wendy's slides. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Great Twitter I, account, Wendy's. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I think in saying that, though, it's important to think about, um, like, how big of an area are you trying to cover with your business? Like, we're, we're trying to keep our business pretty localized. Um, I mean, we'll probably ship, like, within Australia sort of thing, but I'm not going to be shipping internationally and trying to get business from far away. I at, at this point in time, I'm looking to try and find, like, where I don't have to ship. Like people can come yeah. pick it up or we can send like, or we can take it to them or all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's, that's 90% of what I do. I don't, I hate shipping. I, I don't ship furniture. I yeah. just, cause I don't have to, like I built a very good local following up in my early days on Instagram. Uh, and there's a lot of people around this area. It's a very cool uh, place to be right now. The Hudson Valley in New York, um, which is just North of New York city. It's like, it's, it's just a nice, the region around the Hudson river essentially, but it's all a lot of artsy towns and a lot of uh, culture and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I just, I have people do local pickup or I bring it to them myself if they're in a certain area, but I haven't ever, the last piece of anything I shipped was a light, a lamp that I shipped like four years ago and it, it broke upon arrival. <laughs> and I was like, you yeah. know, I'm done with this. I'm like, yeah. I would just bring it to them myself if I, if I can from now on. And it works out okay. You know, it, the, the location tools on social media are incredible because they really allow you to target a very specific local audience, not in just with ads, but like just clicking on the location of somewhere and like liking everything in that, in that, in that location. You know, like if you go to like mm. Beacon, Beacon, New York, which is like a very cool artsy town that I used to live in or, and they have their own hashtags for Beacon as well. Like if you go there, you'll find tons and tons of posts and you can see who people are that might be like keyed into what's going on and what's cool in the area and you can follow them and like everyone's stuff and you get a lot of follow backs and you get a, you start to generate a lot of momentum in your local area that way. And it really, really helped me, helped me out doing that. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Something I didn't really think about. And in saying that, like with um, Instagram and stuff, I've never turned on where I am. Like if I make a post from my make a Mackie account, I don't, I don't tag that I'm like, in Sydney, Australia or whatever like that. But with the Mackie code, maybe that's something we should try and do to try and yeah. show people where we actually are. And mm-hmm. certainly tag like um, places. Other people are going to be looking for 
pictures of, you know, like you don't necessarily have to be like, Oh, tag a tag a nearby waterfall or something. That's like a scenic area, but like your city or like a nearby city. That's got a lot of cool stuff that people like to go to. Like, that's a good thing to do. Like right, right now I, I tag my own, I, I made a location for my business and I tag that a lot of times, but if I want people to see a thing, I'll tag my city or I'll tag um, Dutchess County or Hudson Valley or even beacon where I don't live anymore. Uh, and, and, put it in there just to get it on the list, you know? Yeah. So you made a taggable location for your, do you have like a cool name for your, for your workshop that you can tag on Instagram? Yeah. It's Fort, Fort decent. Oh, wow. I need to learn how to do that. When uh, all you got to do is you got to make a, um, you got to make it in Facebook, I believe. And then you have to like link it's, it's a pain in the butt, but you, you, it's not hard, but it's just like, Sounds worth it. Takes years. Yeah, it's totally worth <laughs> yeah. it. I, I miss the old days when you could just like write in whatever it was and it would automatically make it a location. Like that was, I remember that. Early, oh early yeah. Days, Instagram yeah. locations. You just type in whatever you want. And it would work. Now they took that away because they wanted not, they want the map integration and everything like that to be accurate. You probably had a lot of people tagging. Like those are like the days when any disrespectful things, when anyone can yeah. make a Snapchat filter. Yeah, exactly. Actually, they might you might still be able to do that, but I feel like I in think, the early days of Snapchat filters, it was very easy to just like make one on the fly and anyone could, in the you, location could use it. Yeah, anybody can make the Snapchat filters, IG filters and the uh the 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 gifs, I call them gifs just as a disclaimer. <laughs> um the 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 story gifs and the stuff that you can select in Instagram. You can make those and get them. <clears throat> Oof, I should have muted that. The uh you know the ones I'm talking about, like when you just like search the GIF and like you can now that like everyone has them now. Like Bob from I like to make stuff has his own cert, like special ones. Like you can Great make your own branded them. ones. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's something I, I need to do because it's you know just because. But it's another thing that if you make something that's broad enough, then you know you're getting your name out there some more. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Actually, I'm gonna put that down to to do. Um, I what would you? I don't I don't do any of them, but I got. <laughs> Adam, what would be your okay? If you if you were to make your Mackie GIF or GIF, I say GIF disclaimer. Um, what would be the what would be the first Maker Mackie GIF? How are you memeing um, yourself? I don't know. Honestly, my first one would probably just be my logo. Yeah. Okay. You could do you could do a Mackie Co. Uh, you could call it like cut it out. So whenever anybody ever searched for a GIF that was like cut it out. And then it would be like one of your cutting boards with like your name on it. Oh, that's, that's cool. And like, that. and like a knife chopping it or something like that. Yeah. You know, there you go. Checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, how, so I, 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 um, I apologize, Keith. I, I don't really know that much about your business either, but, um, how long, how long have you been running your business for? Um, doing what I'm doing specifically now about six years, I think. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. I started out about, eight, about seven or eight, about eight years ago doing a flea market and estate sale, um, um, clean outs and sales. And then I started right. just putting stuff together from the junk that I had. Cause I saw people selling handmade goods at flea markets and they were doing really well. And for like price versus versus work, you know, cause when you're selling, old junk at a flea market, people talk you down all the time, but they talk you down yeah. less, not never, but they talk you down less when, uh, when you have handmade goods and then you can really, you can put a markup on them. That's, that's a fair thing. You know, yeah. if I turn, if I sell a bench, maybe I'll get 50 bucks. 
if I turn a bunch of old skis that I found into a simple bench, I could sell it for like 250 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I've really only done a few hours of work, but it's a better bench than the one. They, they understand that there's a difference, which is something that they don't always realize at flea markets. Right. It, it amazes me, like the things I see, like junk for sale. I say junk, but I mean it, it's not. Oh yeah, you, no, I mean, you've made something from it or whatever. But like, I went, um, I went to a secondhand store a couple of months ago, and I'm like walking through, and I'm like, I have literally thrown this out before. Mm-hmm. And these people are selling it for money. Like, it's insane. It might be that one. Yeah. It's the it's one crazy. you throw Yeah. Um, well, in saying that, though, in the last six years, what are some do's and don'ts you have learned? Jeez. Oh, I don't know. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't do most of what I do, I guess. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a good businessman. I'm really not. I'm terrible at making money. That's uh, good, though. That's what, I, that's, that's what I want to hear. Yeah. I mean, I'm a creative. I, I have friends that are so good at making money and it's just funny to talk to them because they're always thinking about it. I'm like, I'm going to build a seat that looks like salami. And you're like, what? <laughs> they're like, what are you going to charge for that? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I have to find somebody that's going to buy it and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I only finally got okay at pricing stuff in the last couple of years because I got sick of like working for nothing, but it's, uh, I don't, you have to come back to me for do's and don'ts because I'm, I'm terrible yeah. at this. I think, Speaking on the pricing side, I think I think that's a big, um, it's a big thing to try to work out, especially with CNC work. Like, um, I was on because we make a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about, and I was saying that these cutting boards that I want to sell to real estates, I'm looking at charging seventy dollars a board if they buy ten. Um, it's like seven hundred bucks for ten, and it'll cost me a hundred dollars in material to make it, and. Um, Vincent was saying to me like that is way too little to be charging for a cutting board. But to me, I'm like 70 bucks. Like when I, when I look at the overall cost of what it's going to cost me is next to nothing. It's like seven, $70 seems very low. Um, and I'm probably selling myself short, but to me, like that's a big profit margin that I'm going to have. Yeah. But also you got to think about what else you're going to be doing with that business. Uh, you said you're maybe doing some acrylic cake toppers, things like that, which are which yeah. are going to be a lower margin item because something that tops on a cake is, you know, you're, you're spending more on something like just as an example, like if you have an acrylic cake topper that lights up and all this kind of stuff, like that's more time consuming than a cutting board. Cause it's a little more specialized and smaller work and you got to automate stuff and it's got batteries and lights and you know, all that kind of thing, as opposed to the cutting board. Like if you can charge more for the cutting board, that gives you a bigger margin overall that then extends to the other stuff that you also want to do. Yeah. That's, you know? that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a cutting board like that, like, especially for someone who's a realtor, if they're selling a house and these days their margin on that house, their commission on that house is going to be huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. They might, they'll, they'll spend two, 300 bucks on something, especially if maybe they don't give it to, you know, if they give it to the people or not, maybe they want to offer it as an option. Maybe they just want to, you know, if you charge them, uh, like $225 for it. And they charge the customer. They're like, Oh, you can keep this, you know, we'll put your, uh, we'll put your address on it or something like that. And you can keep this with your house when you get it for an extra 300, if you throw it in or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're probably, they're not thinking in terms those, those guys aren't thinking in terms of hundreds of dollars at all. So, you know, <laughs> the difference, the difference to them between 70 and like two twenty five, three three hundred dollars is a, is nothing. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a really good point. It, it dovetails with something I kind of realized in my, I don't know, last couple of years of doing 
my own thing to a certain extents of just like striking while the iron's hot. Like if you have those opportunities to like do something that is very lucrative, like you should take it because it, it won't exist forever. Like if there is a big housing slump, like you're not going to be able to get those same sort of prices and margins. So yeah, they cover, cover those cake toppers, cover your loss leaders. <laughs> and it gives you a little, a little wiggle room to figure out what you're going to do next or what else you might want to expand into. You know, if you have something that's doing well, charge as much as you can for it because you, know, yeah. you never know well, what else is going to come down to the pipe. Yeah. And, and in saying that, if I was to make a cutting board for someone custom with the engraving in that, I'd be charging a lot more money. I'm I'm trying to think of how to get my foot in the door with like a real estate agent, and I'm and I'm not trying to sell them one cutting board. I'm trying to get them to make bulk 10, orders yeah. of at least ten. So yeah, I'm true. like, you know, I'm think I'm not looking at it like, oh, they're going to pay two hundred dollars per board. I'm looking at it as they're going to pay me seven hundred dollars at a time, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And like, I know a lot of real estates around here, they'll just give you like a bottle of wine. So I'm thinking like, what isn't too much? Like, I don't want to scare them away. Yeah, you know, like like what they probably pay like fifty bucks for the bottle of wine with like a custom sticker on it or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you never know. You never know what's going to scare somebody away until you actually scare them away. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the yeah. thing. Like, I did so many times. I mean, you guys know this. Like, when when someone asks you to like give them an estimate or quote them a price on something, and you just like you sit there and you toil over it, and you come back and you're like, "Here's the fair price. Here's the fair price," and they're like, "Oh yeah, totally," because it's like so cheap beyond what they yeah, thought oh, yeah. it was going to be. And then you're like, ah, crap. Now I'm stuck working for nothing because I was trying to be nice and fair about it. And it's like, they, yeah, you know, yeah. now yeah, when I, when I did the, a um, huge favor. When I did the van from a personal <laughs> trainer and, and he asked me how much and I worked it out. I'm like, oh, about a thousand. And he's just like, yep, no worries. Let's do it. And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> Can we go I could have charged that? you so much. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I literally exactly. made, I, I still made like, I think I made like 400 bucks in profit on that or something, but like, and then like a lot of um, consumables as well. Cause I charged him like for a, f- a four liter, bo- like a gallon bottle of glue when I only needed like, I don't know, hundred mil. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking of with the cutting board stuff is um, if you could differentiate the actual cutting board in some way, cause right now there's a lot of companies that basically buy like a cheap bamboo cutting board and then they'll engrave on it. Uh, and then that's the deal. Like if something, yeah. if you could emphasize that it's, that it's a, you know, completely constructed by you, maybe use some local wood or something like that. Something that really ties to the community that would help, mm. you know, just to, to set somebody on a price where they won't just go to Etsy and be like, yeah, but this guy would make it for $25. Yeah. Yeah. In saying that though, I'm not, I'm not making the cutting boards. In a sense. Oh, okay. so, oh, so, so from so from our big box store, so Bunnings, um, which Gosh. is your version, like your Lowe's, I can buy a panel. It's like pretty much made for, to make a bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of this panel, I can fit 14 cutting boards in the size that nice. I'm looking to do. That panel cost me $100. So I can cut, I, so for 100 bucks, I make 14 cutting boards and I want to sell 10 for 700. Like that's a massive profit. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, that it is. It is a low cost for a cutting board, especially with custom engraving and all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. But, cool. Yeah, we'll see how. Well, that yeah, goes. I, I was under the impression you were making a cutting boards at that point. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Definitely not. Not not if I'm going to be selling ten at a time. <laughs> yeah, well, that's. I mean, you yeah. know, some yeah. people some people are crazy. I don't know. I don't yeah. know how crazy you are. No, that's the thing. If I <laughs> if I was if I was making the cutting board from scratch, like milling up all the wood and stuff, then definitely I would not be charging seventy dollars. 
Cool. Um, I don't really have any more questions about business stuff. <laughs> well, I have, a, I have a, a take I'm curious of Keith. Wow, that was in a sentence. I have something I'm curious to get Keith's take on. And that's like something I think about a lot in terms of like in, in business and just balancing costs and revenues. And it's kind of like sweating the small stuff. And I think about it like, so when I'm like pricing out like my own work or something, and a lot of times it comes down to like, I don't really need to be thinking about like this $5 and then that $10 over there and like these small costs. It's more about like the larger things in general. But I feel like if you're, if you are like running a business in a, like a, I don't know, a rigorous way, then those small costs kind of add up. So I don't know, Keith, do you, I'm curious if you have any kind of philosophy about that, about like thinking about those small costs or more like focusing on the big picture or is, uh, is one just not even a consideration? I'm a big picture guy. I try, I try to like focus on that stuff. I, I keep all my receipts at least, but like for the most part, no, I'm not, I'm not, I buy dumb crap all the time that I don't even know if I'm going to make a profit off of what I make with it. I don't even know if the thing is going to get built. I, I waste money like crazy, especially on the business, but uh, I save a lot of money in the same way because I use, you know, reclaimed wood and someone's always tearing up a deck somewhere. So I get all these old cedar decking boards and things. Um, yeah. And I, I think if you have a broad sense of where you're going to get your money from, where you're going to save your money from and just try to stick to that, that's your best bet. Then you don't have mm-hmm. to worry about how many screws you're putting into each thing that you make. You know, when yeah. I was doing the, the record bins, I built 20 record bins for a record store and I was counting the screws in every one of them because I had to order the screws and I didn't want to order an extra like 150, um, extra 100, 150 Craig screws or whatever, you know, cause that's 15 bucks. I'll never get back. But um, yeah, like for the most part, I try not to, if that's how you want to run your business, that's great. Some people are really good at that and they really love just getting down to the nitty gritty and, and knowing the cost versus the the price of every single thing they do. I am not that way. I just try to make enough money off of it where my best estimate for how much I spent on it is covered. And then everything else I need is covered. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what I go for. Well, and I think that approach makes a lot of sense. Cause I think even if you feel like you're being smart and clever by like counting every single screw, at the end of the day, you probably will get to the same amount, the same result by having a rough estimate and just over ordering on things that don't go bad. And I, yeah. I see that a lot, like at, at the camp I'm working at, like I'm, I am learning so much about like running a business here. Cause it's like, we're, we're always ordering materials for these projects with the kids. And a lot of times it comes down to like, are we going to use this in the next three years? Like we have somewhere to store it. If we get a little extra, it's, it's really fine. And like one thing I noticed with um, the director of the camp, is like if he thinks something is like remotely necessary and it's not really like if we have the space for it and he thinks we're going to use it like he'll just buy it even if it's if if it's not like a hundred percent like this is definitely what we're going to do and usually like you can return it like it'll work out and it's it's a very different mindset from what i have because i I'll, i'll hem and haw about purchases a lot and it's it's something i'd like to become better at is kind of just like thinking more in the big picture but if you give yourself that like mental freedom to kind of just like if I have the space for it, get that thing. And it, it just, I think it also kind of allows you to not feel so like confined by the constraints that you're working within. Cause then you now all of a sudden, like you have the tools to do the things that you, to make the things that you want to make, which is really big to not feel like you're working inside a shoebox. Yeah. It's important. I know at the rugs, uh, I, I was trying to figure out what my costs were because 
I don't, I don't, you know, I buy a lot of wood, so I know basically what wood costs. I don't buy a lot of yarn, so I go, I go into the store, I go into Joanne Fabric, and I'm just pulling yarn off the shelf and, and filling up the entire. Like I need three, three skeins of this color, and I need this color, and I need this color because I want to do this kind of rug, and I, I end up with a cart full. And even after the Joanne's like every day, twenty percent off everything in the store coupons they send me all the time, like I'm still running up a couple hundred bucks worth of stuff, and I'm like, I should really divide this in my head about what I'm using. <laughs> and I should know this because I have to start pricing these things. And and I just try to I just try to get a general idea. You know, it's like okay, so it's got to be. I'm like I'm using about 75, 80 bucks worth of materials for the rug, so I can you know at least go from there and figure out my labor and stuff on that end. Yeah, but it's I mean it's a it's a cool mentality though. Like, and it's one that I admire. It's kind of like Jimmy Duresta was talking about. I think in the last making it, which is like buy expensive stuff and then figure out how to pay for it yeah, versus like yeah. hemming and hawing about every little thing. I think a lot of artists like yourself, like think in that way, which is allows you to create really cool stuff. Yeah. We just build the ladder to get to our idea for the most part. And then we figure it out afterwards. If I was making more like product runs and stuff like that, I'd probably be a lot more specific about my needs and uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't over purchase and I wouldn't be, but I make different stuff as, as often as I can. So I never really know what I'm going to, have or need or anything like that you know and so i don't end up i don't end up stocking up early and having like oh i'm gonna need these three sanding belts next month because i go through three sanding belts a month i'm like oh crap i need a sanding belt right now then i have to go buy one i'm just like i'm not gonna worry about the cost versus amazon versus home depot i'm just gonna go buy a sanding belt yeah yeah i i would suppose that you would deal with a lot of people complaining of like prices and stuff Especially, like you said, eighty bucks for a rug, and then like once you add your costs and stuff on, people are going to look at that and go, "Like seriously, you're going to charge me one hundred and fifty bucks for a rug? Like, what are you talking about?" Yeah, I'm going to charge a lot more than one hundred fifty bucks for. Something. Yeah, you know what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. The rugs are a weird thing because it's art. For me, it's art. I'm I'm using them to 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 convey an artistic idea that I had, and they, the rugs are the medium. Yeah. Um, and people, uh, a lot of people are like, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't take pictures of them on the floor. People should hang those up. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, if they want to put art on the floor, that's cool. I think art should go on the floor if you want it to also, you know, uh, you just got to take care of it in the way you want to, you spent the money on it, but yeah, uh, yeah. Like the rugs are going to be you know, probably 500 bucks by the time I get, I really nail the process and get it all down uh, a piece. Um, I just let I just sold three of the first run of rugs because they're imperfect. Like one of them has a small little thin spot, and one of them the backing is not so good, and one of them's got like a wrinkle in the back and stuff like that. So they're not they're not up to my standards, but people were really bugging me because they really really wanted to buy them. So I said, here they are at a discounted price. Yeah, this is my learning price. You're you're basically buying me more yarn for the ones I'm going to sell for real. So, and uh, yeah, that's been that's been it's been a weird thing going from <laughs> furniture to run, to textiles. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's cool though. I have, I have a quick tangent and I hope you can answer it. Can you explain on a very basic level how a tufting gun works? Uh, yes, I'm yeah. curious as well because I've seen them and I'm like, how? Like it just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. So a tufting gun for anyone listening who doesn't know is basically uh, like an AK-47 sewing machine. Uh, it has it has a motor and it, it's basically the, the the back half of a drill without the chuck part fitted into a gearbox, which then um, uh, changes the circular motion of the motor into uh, forward fore and and back uh, motion of a needle, uh, which is a large spade shaped needle that's about the size of a dime, give or take. 
um, and uh, underneath the needle and in, in, in some of the uh, rug guns, there's two different kinds. There's cut pile and loop pile. Loop pile uh, just punches it through and then brings the, the thread back out and punches it through the next one as one continuous thread. The cut pile rug sends the needle in and then immediately as the needle's withdrawing, it sends in scissors and it snips the loop, making it a cut pile. The pile is the height of the rug with the thread. Uh, so that's how it works. Uh, you, you, you thread the yarn into it and you hold it up against the thing. You, you have the, your, your canvas. It's, not, it's never canvas. It's monk's cloth, primary backing cloth, or I use burlap. You stretch it over a frame like you would stretch an art canvas. And then you just, uh, the gun punches in between the weave of the cloth as it goes all the way up. So you can actually follow, like, uh, you can, I call it like riding the valley. Like, you get, when you get really good at it, you get in this kind of zen mode where, uh, the gun just lifts itself up and goes in a perfectly straight line with the weave of the, with the weave of the cloth. And on the back side, it's really cool because it looks like these really tight little braids. And on the front side, you get the rug. And that's how it works out. Cool. Wow. There, I, you should just go watch the videos of it because they're incredibly the, sad. The videos look so, wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. And everybody makes crazy videos about rugs and no one really explains the process at all. So it's like you get a lot of people that are like, I want to try that, but I have no idea what's going on. Uh, I'm, I'm eventually, when I am when I get around to it, going to release a video that has like, it's going to be like everything nobody else would tell you about uh, rug tufting because like I had to learn so much stuff by myself that like just little little nuances and how to do it right and like things to to just get the weave right and to get the the lines you're laying down right and all that kind of stuff to make it flow properly things that no one explained online they're all like oh stretch your canvas put your gun up against it and pull the trigger and away you go it's like and now here's 10 minutes of me with slow motion with weird music making a rug <laughs> which is a great video they're always good but it's like i learned nothing except yeah. that i want a rug gun Textile machines in general are like incredible. Like they're the just like the level of complexity inside of them and how satisfying they are. Like especially in their sound is Mm. great. Like we just got we got ten sewing machines at camp and we finally used them all at once the past two days. The kids are making these like custom pillows, Um, and it's all I just love like watching sewing machines work, especially like the walking foot ones that you see in leatherworking where it literally looks like someone walking across the surface of material, um, like looms and things. They're so cool. They're so interesting. Yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, they're really cool. I, I got to get better at sewing. I can hand sew a little bit, but I'm, my machine skills are not there, but one, one day I'll have a project where I need it. So actually maybe soon because I want to start doing patches, uh, rug patches, for clothing and integrate it with apparel a little bit and see what I can do with that. Ooh, I think that would that's be cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, okay, sorry to dive a little deeper down this, uh, textile technology rabbit hole. Have you ever seen embroidery machines like CNC embroidery machines? Oh yeah. I want one of those so bad. They're so cool. Those are wild. Mm-hmm. Like They're- they, it's actually, sorry, go on. No, I was gonna say I was trying to remember the price point of those because I remember looking it up and being like, I don't have an idea for that price yet. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's to the tune of like eight to fifteen grand. I think it's yeah. somewhere around there. And then even the um, so you can get non CNC embroidery machines, which look kind of look like a sewing machine with a screen on it, but they're still like incredibly complex pieces of equipment. Um, I don't quite understand. I, I so uh, 
I like to call her my other half at camp. Uh, the other, uh, this girl, Megan, who helps run the site with me, she studies fashion design. So she's experienced with a lot of these things and she has like a small embroidery machine and it's still like a, a piece of CNC equipment to a certain level. It's just like, there's some manual input. Um, but you can get these like, uh, sewing machine size embroidering machines for like $500 that are, st- you can still do really amazing stuff with. And I think it's, you can't, maybe can't do hats with them because the the cloth the, isn't, yeah. yeah, it's not bendable enough, but mm-hmm. it's, it's still pretty, pretty incredible equipment. Yeah. I think for a while I was like, I really want to make patches. And then I was like, well, I, I don't, I didn't, I think it was like 500 bucks or so was the thing I was looking at. And I was like, yeah, it's the cheapest one. And I don't know if it's what I need. And also like, it'll just collect dust if I don't make these patches. So at the time yeah. I wasn't ready to jump into textiles, but then I saw a rug gun two years later and I was like, I'm in. <laughs> and so I, beyond the, uh, the possible embroidery machine, do you have a, a different piece of dream equipment that you want to get next? I'm not really. I think I'm I'm pretty well set right now. I mean, like, if I had the money, I'd upgrade some of my stuff. I'd get I'd get off the contractor table saw and get a saw stop stuff like that, you know. But for the most part, no. I picked up a welder uh, last year and taught myself a little bit about welding. Um, so that's been fun. Uh, I don't know. I th- I guess probably a, a blacksmithing setup would be next for me. But Ooh, yeah, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let the uh, the wave of popular of uh, blacksmithing popularity died down a little bit before I go into that. Cause it's just, you know, I think a lot of it right now is everyone's building, everyone's making great videos where they shoot sparks around and they, everything's glowing and they make a thing and no one really cares what the thing they made was. They just want to watch people blacksmith, which is completely understandable. Right. But I want to get to a, I, I always like my videos to come from a point of like end product being the goal of watching the videos, see what is being made and, and that, and everything else is leading up to that point as opposed to 20 minutes of uh, sparks and, and glowing hammer hits. Because <laughs> like if, not, if someone's not explaining it to you, it's really difficult for you to actually know what's going on just watching a blacksmithing video. You know, it's like he's hitting it again. It's like yeah. he's hitting it. Now it's on fire again. Now he's hitting it again. Like that's all, you, that's all you can really see unless someone's telling you like, no, now I'm doing it at this temperature. I harden this part. This is what I have to taper out. You know, that's a lot more interesting. Yeah, for sure. That was uh, that was the the thing I really wanted to do in my parents' backyard in high school, and that was probably the last time in my life up to this point where I actually could have set up a blacksmithing setup. And at this point, yeah. I'm gonna have to wait till yeah, I get uh, like yeah. my own land. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a small window of opportunity, and now now I have to wait. Yeah, I've got the land, but unfortunately, the uh, anvils are expensive, man. And right now, everyone wants a dang anvil, so like, you just can't get one. Like every time, every time, um, uh, Chris gets a bunch of anvils or like, well, any of the Chris's get a couple of anvils. I'm like, Oh, like maybe I want one of those. And then they're just like, Oh yeah, sure. It's like, like 500 bucks. I'm like, okay, I don't really want one that badly. <laughs> do you have a grinder? Yeah, I've got a grinder. Yeah. I can yes. do stock removal stuff. Just go, but... just go to your um, local train track and. Yeah, I've track. actually got a chunk of train tracks. <laughs> I just got to derail a train. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just go steal train tracks. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got. I mean, I could set up a really kind of DIY, uh, crappy forge kind of thing right now, but I don't think yeah. I, I have so much else going on. It's like ah, I'd rather just save up, and get an anvil, and do one thing right for a change. I will say, I, metal work has never really been my thing. I, um, it's just so hot and messy and annoying. And yeah. painful, like 
like a metal shard is so like the chips and stuff. It's just such painful yeah, compared whole- to wood chips and stuff. Like I, I'm, I'm not into that. Yeah, it's a whole different set of P- um, it PPE gear you got to get to. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, for anyone wondering, I just checked on my CNC and it's running fine. Nice. Everything, everything's <laughs> fine. So it's not swing. It's not swinging around the room. The gantry is not no. like off and like hinge swinging. Like, no, yeah. It's it's really cool to actually see like a shape coming out that I have made. Um, like I cut out the whole downs and like they were just like some rectangles. So there's nothing. Oh, yeah. And then the dust boot was someone else's project. I just like got the file off them, but to actually have designed something I actually took from, um, Morley's video last week. Was it Wait, the, um, the toilet one? Hey, with the photo. So I took yeah, a reference photo, photos in fusion. Took a photo of some tools next to, to next to a ruler and brought it into fusion and made the pockets for them in the drill bottom. So that's cool. Don't yeah, stop. I never had a, I never had the urge to get a CNC or to like, I never cared that much until like once I got it because I needed it. Uh, there was a complete difference in cutting out something that you designed, watching something you designed be cut out on the thing, like yeah. become a, a, a real shape in a real world. That was amazing. Like, there's, it's mm. a weird. I didn't expect it. I was like, kind of a little bit overcome. I was like, wow, this is, yeah, this is really kind cool. of incredible. Like, I, yeah, you know, that was in my head yesterday. Now it's becoming a thing, and I'm not, I'm barely lifting a finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. In saying that, let's uh, let's move on to Clementations. Clementations. Uh, sure. I, this is one. Uh, Tyler Bell's video with the uh, the tennis rackets. Have you guys seen this? I've not. So no. Tyler decided he wanted to shoot a tennis ball through a tennis racket at like 500 miles an hour. So he built a compression a compressed air gun with a vacuum front. And the, the kid's brilliant and. Uh, He's got like the, the 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 triple threat of like being a good like YouTube maker. He's like brilliant. He's um he's just he does he's just got great ideas, and he has like uh, he's charming. He's he's very eloquent, and he's just like and he knows what he's doing. And uh, he shot so it's hard to explain without really giving it away. But I guess I'll give it away because he already put the video out. He basically shoots a tennis ball through a tennis racket where he replaces strings with um. Razor it's like blades. razor it's like razor blades yeah but there there's a certain mm. kind of like machine they're for like die cutting so you're supposed mm. to be able to like shape them into dies and use them that way but he kind of tensioned them up in a, re- in, in a tennis racket and it is incredible he shoots the ball right through it. it it just waffles itself it just like becomes french fry it becomes tennis ball french fries essentially and it's like the cleanest cut it's amazing and he does it with a few other things it's a great video he does it with like music wire and he does it with the regular strings on the racket just to kind of show what's going on. Then he shoots it through a watermelon. <laughs> he shoots potatoes into it, into it to make French fries. <laughs> like it's, it's great. Like it's, it's very, it hits, it scratches that kind of like Mythbusters itch, but also it's like really approachable, you know? Nice. Yeah. That, yeah. that looks really cool. I'm going to be checking that out. So when I, uh, when I went to summer camp, one of the program areas was riflery and you would shoot 22 rifles at targets. And, uh, one day of every session was bring your own target day and you got to bring whatever you wanted and shoot it. So I brought a tennis ball and if you've never shot a 22 before, it's basically the weakest, uh, I guess ammunition size. Like it's, it's kind of basically the smallest bullet, uh, cartridge size you can shoot. I'm pretty sure that the bullet bounced off the tennis ball. (laughs) Tennis balls are really, really resilient for good reason, obviously, but yeah, they're, you know, they're like rubberized cardboard hollow and it's just, they're made to bounce. Yeah. 
Crazy. And the twenty two, yeah, they're not made they're not made for penetration. They're made for just hurting something quickly. Yeah. Too. Pelican. Pelican. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well uh, my recommendation, clip nation this week is going to be a video by Mighty Car Mods. I'm pretty sure I've recommended them before. But um one of the hosts on there, Blair, his well, his nickname is Moog, did a shed tour of like his home shed and it's made for woodworking. So he has like a little mini CNC. He's got a, like a, um, a small lathe and stuff, but it was really cool because like they, they do car videos. They've got like their own shop. And then Marty, the other one has a shed at his house, which is made for like working on cars, but then Moog does the woodworking stuff on the side, but they don't make videos about it. So it was really interesting to see a shop that is made for woodworking, but not filming. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like, so everything's set up different where like, um, he'll, he has like Colin Furs has, um, the, he's like disc sander on the back of a door so he can swing it out and the dust can just go everywhere. But like someone filming wouldn't do that because you can't get the angles and stuff you need and all that sort of stuff. So it's just really interesting to see a shop that's set up not for filming. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. It's one of those weird things you got to think about when you're making videos is like, where am I going to put the camera? Yeah, exactly. Like, my back's not always facing it, <laughs> or yeah. my arm's not always in the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm thinking seriously about getting a, a nice wide-angle lens, like wider than the one I have, uh, trying to decide if I want to spend $1,000 on that or not. <laughs> but in a small space, it would be really nice like to actually be able to capture the whole room. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get that surveillance video look. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you want that look. Yeah, sometimes you want to look like you're uh, breaking someone's house to build something. Some. Yeah, just, maybe, yeah, maybe just, just buy a GoPro. film everything on a GoPro. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's put it in the corner. Everything's wide angle. There you go. All right. Um, this week, my clamendation is one of my favorite TikTok creators. Um, his name, his handle on TikTok is PDUSA. Um, you might have seen him on. He's he's pretty popular on the platform. You might've seen him. He has like really long, lovely brown hair and a beard. And he usually plays like five different characters in the videos. Uh, he does these like absolutely hilarious. Keith's nodding. Keith, I'm happy yeah, that, that you guy, know who he that is. That guy is amazing. That guy is so good. Cause it, his videos are so subtly funny. Yes. Like yeah, super witty and smart. As, as if, it's him talking to himself as if he lives with like five versions of himself basically. Right. Like that guy. Yeah. It, it's, it's like sketch comedy skits. Yeah. It's really um, good. And apparently he's like, I think his main thing might be he's a musician. Like I'm, I'm going through his website and I don't know if he's like a Bo Burnham type of guy, if it's comedy music or, or what, but definitely like a multi-talented dude. Um, there, it's not like, I, I would say most of his videos aren't like rolling on the floor laughing, but like super witty, like really, really, <laughs> you just got to see it. Um, he has an Instagram as well. If you don't go on, uh, you play one of his videos. Sorry about that. Oh, I didn't mean to. I forget that TikTok auto plays as soon as you open the app. Yeah, it's very it's very aggressive app. Um, he's also on Instagram. Uh, I think it's the same on Instagram. I'll yeah. link them both in the show notes. But yeah, this guy's great. He's he looks just like, like my friend. He looks like my friend from like twenty years ago. Like this guy I used to hang out with, who's very much the same way. That's why I, was, I, was, I caught it. I was like, wait, is that Paige? No, it's not. It's a different guy. But yeah, he's yeah. very funny. All right, I think we sold him sufficiently everyone check out pdosa he's hilarious <laughs> i somehow just started watching one of these compilations that was different 
Anyway. <laughs> now I'm just gonna now I'm just on TikTok. Sorry, guys. Like- <laughs> Isn't that the way though? My yeah. my yeah. wife and I last night, um, I finally got my wife to start watching Animal Kingdom. We watched two episodes and I'm like, I'm literally falling asleep. And then we go lay in bed and I look at my phone for like an hour on TikTok. It's like, what the hell? I was I was falling asleep a minute ago. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, anyway, um, I want to thank everyone that listens and supports our show, especially those that support us on Patreon. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash clamp. Uh, and our highest level, the F clamp, gets their name shouted out on the show. And we have a new one now. Uh, so Brent Jarvis from clean cut woodworking is one of our F level F clamp level patrons. And, um, yeah, thank you for your support. Thank you to anyone else who supports us on there. And thank you to anyone who just listens to our show. Um, if you don't want to support us on Patreon, you can just, uh, please share the show. Um, like the show, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I'm always bad at this, aren't I? Um, and tag, I know, right. And then if you want to put up a story on Instagram, tag the clamp cast and, um, I will always share that story, try and get your name out there a little bit as well. Anyone who does support us on Patreon though, does also get access to the pre-show and after show and a keychain made by one, our one and all made by our one and only Molly Kurt, which is, um, that's me. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Also want to thank TF turning for the theme music. And you can find us, where are we? We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Soon to come to TikTok, maybe. <laughs> More importantly, where can you find yeah, Keith? Um, Just about yeah, everywhere. I'm, get, I'm getting there. We'll I'm get, getting we'll get there. there. I'm easy to find. All right, sorry. Not, not mean to <laughs> you, you know I'm not good at this host. You know I'm not good at this hosting thing. You're doing um, great. You're yeah. Doing also, follow, follow us on, um, on YouTube. Help us get our, our 100 subscribers so we can get our custom URL. Um, just search Clamp Adam Molly Grant, and you should be able to find us on there. So now, Keith, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? See, with my podcast, people think I'm really good at it, but I just have infinite oh, chances so to record bad. what I'm doing. <laughs> I just yeah. record it, and then I record it again 15, 20 times. That's me when um, I record videos. Yeah. I've, it's, it's funny. Videos, I just I just talk over it. I don't even give myself like more than one take with, with, the, with yeah. the podcast they do. You can find me at Keith Decent anywhere. Uh, K-E-I-T-H-D-E-C-E-N-T, which is uh, all the all the social media things. I always get my name as soon as I can. Um, and I also have a podcast from the ground up, uh, ftgupodcast.com, and you can search that. It's, uh, it's not uh, like anybody else's podcast, I think, uh, in terms of the maker, the maker sphere that we're in. I try to try to do something a little different, so. It's it's good times. Although I haven't put out an episode in like six months, so <laughs> it's been a, it's been a rough year. What can I say? Yeah. Um, well, for those of for those listening that are patrons, we're going to head over to the after show. So, bye. Bye. See you. Just a young guy lives there. It's nothing like uh, that crazy. But he came with the house, and he he just paid, he, he, he pays rent. He came with the house. He, yeah. Well, when I bought the house, he was already living here. It just so sounds he, uh, funny. Though. Like I know. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Exactly. He's, he's he was installed. I couldn't get rid of him. Um.